everyone and welcome to the American Scouser podcast. I am your host as always, Timuchin in nice weather Chicago for once, uh, but on a brutal Monday for twice. This is too much. I'm starting to really hate Mondays. Uh, with us today is Gally as always. Gally, what's happening? Uh, the case of the Mondays, yeah. two Mondays in a row, let me tell you. <laughs> Yeah, these Mondays are becoming brutal. Uh, so brutal, we don't even have Bickler today. Uh, Bickler's could not even, he's so mad he couldn't even make it. Actually, Bickler is traveling today, so he's not able to join us. Uh, it could be good for his sanity, but I'm hoping this will be a nice little uh therapy session at the same time. That's what I kind of labeled the podcast when I posted it on social media as well. Lot to talk about, probably a lot to be mad about, a lot to question. Uh, it's all part of therapy, people. This is actually when we're doing therapy, it's ironic that Bickler isn't here because he is Mr. Therapy normally. But so obviously we're going to focus on the game. Before we even get to the game, uh, we record our Premier League shows. That's on American Scouser TV. And if you have not subscribed, hit smash that subscribe button or whatever the heck it needs to be done head over to youtube channel uh american scouser on youtube and subscribe to the station uh we just actually just recorded our premier league show with galley and we were talking about that in terms of like the build-up to the game and i want to focus more on us on this in the premier league show obviously we keep it more general but i want to talk to you mainly about this entire Kata talk and his absence today because you know he's not available are you buying it how do you think that whole thing affected it alan and bj are with us good evening gentlemen so um i think i've mentioned this i've said it on podcasts it's it, it is a great one and it you know if your number one ability is availability kata lacks it right so whether he wasn't available today because he was not fit, he was ill, or mentally he wasn't in a position to play due to pending transfers or his uncomfortableness with his current contract situation and the renewals, whatever that happens to be, this was, for me, his big opportunity. When people said to me, you know, Tiago's down, we're going to be down, we're, you know, Jones is out a month. The first thing that went through my head was, was Nabi Kate has been looking for, give me five, six, seven straight starts and let me see if I can't, what I can do. And for me, this was his opportunity. And in a match that screamed for his talents and what he brings to this side, once again, for whatever reason, he was not selected to be part of the match day squad, which just blows my mind. Are you even buying that, that he was out due to injury? So where I struggle there, Tamuchin, is I have nothing. I have nothing to go on that would give me something different. I don't know that any of these reports about his unhappiness with his contract or anything more than his agent talking through the media to get a deal done. Um, there were reports a week ago that it was just about done and he was going to sign a two or three year deal. And then the next day there were reports that if he didn't start on Monday, that he was going to ask the club to leave. Now I did find it odd that Klopp actually responded to transfer speculation earlier in the week by saying, 
I'm not saying that we're going to sell Nabby. I think the idea that he leaves is silly. But if the player were to be sold, a replacement would be required. And that's very unlike, you know, we were just, I think it was last week's podcast, but we were like arguing about, you know, Klopp's coach talk and a normal Klopp would not even go there, would be like, you know, we talk, you know, like I don't deal with those. We talk to the player, everything is good, everything is cool, whatever. And then he would just move on. For him to go out of his way and say that, I honestly thought it was unlike Klopp and I was playing the devil's advocate last week in terms of, I'd rather have him give that coach talk and like just not get into that. I thought it was ill-timed for him to get into that conversation, which kind of raises, I think, more questions about his absence. First of all, like he's out injured, but I don't think we have details. I've looked online afterwards. I haven't seen. He's like he's out like a light. Uh, so it's I almost worry, and I guess this is why I'm more – speculating and maybe making up scenarios in my mind but you look at that team on the field today and you see their performance and overall approach and attitude it almost signals that there was there's something else wrong going on and i think you know Klopp basically going out and saying pretty much said right like in terms of like when he even referred to the funds being available i don't control those things and stuff like that that is very unclop like where he always talks about we're happy with the people we have, we go again, and stuff like that. He just said two weeks ago he didn't need any more players. There's been no more injuries since then. Henderson had a little dip in form. Fab hasn't been playing well. But there have been no changes to the side he said we were fit with less than 10 days ago. We didn't need players. Yes, we're down players, but we have all the answers we have in the squad. Um, look, do I think Jurgen Klopp wants a few more players? I do. Do I believe that he really would like Bellingham? I believe he would. I mean, do I wouldn't? think he's gonna? <laughs> do I think he's gonna get him? I don't. Like, which is why I I said earlier, like I would have been signing players like Renato Sanchez or trying to sign Tillemans or even trying to bring in uh, Basuma from Brighton. I, Cause I think these players would have actually added to the ranks and added something different to our midfield. And I think they were attainable players. You know, it was my Calvin Phillips argument with city city wanted Declan rice. They really did. That was the guy they wanted. They knew it was going to cost $120 million from West Ham, and they were like, we don't want him that bad. We'll take this guy from Leeds for $42 million. And that's the thing. Alan says, Salcedo de Maca's favorite manager, Brendan Rodgers. And yeah, uh, if you follow America's Scouser TV, and we do a morning show, uh, the morning coffee or tea with American Scouser, and Eric uh, Mecca is known well for bashing. He broke his record with 12 times last week. So uh, we'll see if he comes back to break it again. But but here's my biggest thing. And, I, you know, we can talk about the midfielder thing. Obviously, the knee-jerk reaction, everything was – all the talk was about that. It was about FSG. And somehow we made this conversation into an FSG conversation, money conversation, club needs more – and stuff like that, and not look at everything else. Das says, uh, I'm getting drunk. Yeah, if I do not do the 
morning coffee with American Scouts for tomorrow. If I were not live on 8 a.m. Central, you will know why. But it is my thing. You look at this lineup, and I feel like the starting 11 that we put out there is still capable when played to their capability to beat United. And to dominate, I don't even care who's in midfield. You know, we had Milner in midfield and Elliott. And you remember last year when we had, I, mean, I was hoping Keita would be out there today. But, you know, we put also, you know, like Elliott out there. But we had like Jones playing most of the game last year. I just feel like we just did not play our game mainly due to, it almost feels like a lot of players being out of form at the same, same time. Van Dyke not looking like himself. Fabinho has not been, so I was okay with him being replaced, even though I thought he looked pretty good coming in afterwards. But I think that's when we were trying to kind of like start to chase the game. So I don't know if that's basically that's why that looks good. But I mean, it has to go a bit on the players and Klopp himself for lining up like this and not just we needed more midfielders. For whatever reason, every time this group of players lets us down on the pitch. We blame people in the boardroom. Every time. Every time they don't show up. The mentality monsters that we all tout it and scream and, you know, we all yell and sing our songs about how how great they are and how much, how the magic that Klopp does with these players, right? But as soon as they put in a clunker, we blame the boardroom. We blame the owners. Like, we blame the physios for not keeping guys healthy and not the players who can't keep their hamstrings, you know, stretched. And, and like, we, we, we blame everyone, it feels like, as supporters, but the players on the pitch. And today, this is one where we need 11 players to raise their hand and say we weren't good enough. Because they weren't. And you, you make a good point. That side is good enough to beat United. I will argue, even as poor as United is playing right now, United has the type of front-end talent to make a side with James Milner and Jordan Henderson both starting in its midfield and a 20-something-year-old kid as the other engine room midfielder. They can get at you, and we saw it happen to us today. Because if Virgil's not at his utmost best, he can't make up for the deficiencies of Henderson losing the ball in midfield in a terrible spot for the second goal. Or, you know, we talked about Trent just kind of being bullied after not getting, uh, after getting his early yellow card against Rashford and then Alanga running all over him and then kind of creating the first goal for, for Sancho. So, you know, yes, we could win, but I'll say this. If Bobby looks a little bit, slow-footed and, and a shell of himself if Hendo is kind of operating through quicksand and Milner is being Milner and Verge isn't top-level Verge then that team's not good enough to beat United heck that team's not good enough to beat Fulham or Crystal Palace and that's probably what's the most concerning to me I mean you can get poor results it's all in the game and I know a lot of you know, maybe the newer fans are kind of spoiled and like us winning your damn game. But and a poor performance can happen. You know, you can have three, four people out of it on one day. I think the thing that worries me the most is Fulham game. We were lucky to get away with a point. 
Uh, I know like Hando hit the post, we could have stolen three points, I guess. But let's face it, you know, Fulham more than deserved that point, if not more. And, you know, even in the Palace game, it's always, it's starting to look like the other team wants it more. And I know it's a cliche, but it's basically reaction time, aggressiveness. We're always a step behind. Every pass is slightly short or slightly long, and we just do not look right. And I think the thing I don't get is, I mean, maybe I do get it, but I just kind of like annoys me is the same players only being focused on. Like I look online and I don't see a lot of, you know, People are going at Gomez, but not Van Dyke. And whereas I thought Gomez played better than Van Dyke, uh, intercepted a lot more than Van Dyke. Um, people will focus on Trent. Like we pick certain players to kind of, and Trent, you know, yeah, he I mean, obviously is defending in the first goal, is very poor, kind of like letting that go. And he did have a hell of a time going against Alanga in the first half in Rashford, but. We pick on the same players, whereas, you know, other players that are generally maybe better or the bigger stars get kind of ignored. I mean, Mo was almost invisible all game. But I hear more against Bobby. I personally thought, actually, Bobby was the only guy doing some movements up top to be able to create some kind of a space, whereas, you know, Diaz was on the left. And I know he does a lot of like the hustle work in terms of like defensive work as well and winning balls and stuff like that. But they were so freaking wide. And whenever Bobby opened that space, it felt like nobody went in there. So they were outside, nobody inside. It just looked like we had absolutely no plan. And this is where I blame Klopp. If this is how we were going to play, if this was the game plan, the guy you're making the runs into the box is Milner. That's how we're utilizing Milner as the secret guy from midfield making those runs into the box. Not even Elliot or like maybe Carvalho earlier. And honestly, like I say, I understood why Fab did not start this game due to his poor form. But if Keita was not going to go, I said this, I think, last week's podcast, I was totally fine with a boring midfield of Fab, Hando, and Milner at least maybe they we would have gotten more of a work rate and kept the ball more or won the ball more. But then again, I say that you look across the field today. I just find it tough to find players that perform well, but the fans always focus on specific players and obviously FSG. Like nowhere in between with Klopp getting zero of the blame. Well, let's just be real. Klopp will never get any blame because he's an outstanding manager and he has really worked some miracles with this squad over six, seven years. But that doesn't mean he worked a miracle today. And it doesn't mean that he's not, you know, he can't be brought in for ridicule or questioning. Whatever our tactics were today, they got him wrong. Whether it was the lineup, whether it was the team, whether that was forced by injuries, I don't know. Um, but we're we're talking about a side that really at this point can't kind of get going. We're completely stuck in neutral. Um, where I'll disagree a little bit with you, um, Diaz was lively. Diaz was good. Diaz created opportunities in the first half. He linked up with Rabo a little bit down the left-hand side. He does track back. He does his job. You know, I'll give you Bobby was making runs. I'd argue Bobby was coming deeper and deeper and deeper. And as the first half ended, I questioned whether or not he was serving hot dogs in the fifth row in the stands behind our goal. 
And if you look at his heat map in the first half, he actually had more touches in the defensive side of the pitch than on the offensive side of the pitch. And I understand that's part of his job, but that's why Milner was making all those runs forward. And I don't think Elliott has it in his in his football IQ of when to make those runs yet. And I think he at times gets in Moe's way. And I think that's why Milner was the one making those deep lying runs. It also what makes me sneakily feel like Nabby was supposed to start this match because it looked like they found out right before the match that Milner was playing for Nabby and then just said, you're going to do everything Nabby was supposed to do in this match. Because if Nabby yeah. had been playing, he would have been the one we expected to make those l- runs into the box, right? Like, that would have been his role. And I, I I, felt in a way like it looked like Milner was trying to almost play the Nabby role. And that's, you know, never going to end well because they're probably far apart of players. On Klopp. That should be on Klopp. That shouldn't, that's not I'm about, like, signing midfielders. That's not about freaking, like, you know, like, Keita. That is on Klopp. And then if you see it over and over within the game and not change it and react to it, I don't understand how everything ends up going to, oh, we didn't sign a midfielder. I mean, the midfielder is not going to wake up Van Dyke and go at the ball. This is two weeks in a row where I feel like Van Dyke takes the safer route. I got Kraftford against when he did it in the Crystal Palace game against Zaha, where he didn't go full speed because he did not want to be cut back on. Like and be the one to look bad, which would not matter because Phyllis was coming across. All you needed to buy is that one second. And today, Milner is diving and flipping and flopping over there, and he manages to stop that first shot and buy a second. But Van Dyke does not like make the move. I don't even know what he's doing. He's a big dude, but you're not that big to cover the whole goal if you're not covering the space between you. And the player, I know he has to put the arms around the back, but for him to just watch that, that doesn't have anything to do with the midfielder. I mean, the spine of this team, we were talking earlier when we were recording the Premier League show, has not been the same. I mean, Allison had a great game, like Alan was saying earlier. Uh, I don't think he's been the issue at all this season. Uh, maybe like one of the goals was that the Palace goal? Uh, the second goal, the soft goal, goals? the first goal against Fulham, even though. Ru- even though Trent gets absolutely done in for by Mitrovic, um, you oh, know, yeah, Allison's yeah, footwork is a little soft. He's coming across. And even he said afterwards, if I get my feet under me, I make that save. Get that. So maybe he's a little bit to blame there, but I mean, then the penalty, but yeah. let's be honest, he's saved us. I mean, he, he he's oh, yeah. the only reason we drew with crystal palace, the yes. two or three saves, the save against Zaha, the one he pushed against the post today, um, and and let's be honest, that Erickson one is postage into the top corner on that free kick. Yes, they were like, if "Oh, Allison doesn't make that." Wide. I don't. I, I think that was hitting the post and going in, or hitting the side net or something. So definitely, he's not. But if you look at the rest of the spine, uh, Van Dyke has been nowhere near the Van Dyke we know. And I know automatically the all the blame goes whoever plays next to him. But you got to look at Van Dyke's play today. I know Gomez didn't have a great game, and he had like he seemed slow in his reaction at times. But dude has not played in ages. And then I mean, obviously Fabinho has been poor. I thought, like I say, he did well after coming in, but he's been poor since the beginning of the season. And then obviously up front, up top, in the middle, we have not been consistent. Bobby kept coming back, and Bobby normally does that. 
I feel like the interplay is not as well as it should be, especially with the left-hand side. I think they had a better chemistry, and this is going to grow over time, I think. Like, I think they had a better understanding with Mane on the left compared to Diaz. But obviously, that's time of playing together as well to get that interplay just, going. He struggled today. Um, I mean, it was. I think it was one of his least uh, – he had one of his lowest pass accuracies of any match he's ever played for Liverpool today. And to me, Bobby was summed up in the first half – we had that final moment. He had like a nice little interchange with, I think it was Elliot and Diaz. And there was a through ball to play either to out wide to Robo to Robo. And instead he tried that like looping over the top, like lock yeah. pass. And it was like, it summed up his day. Like it was normally when he'd get the deaf touch, like, and that was, there was another opportunity in the second half where I think Diaz cut in and cut it back to Bobby. And normally Bobby would like with one touch, kill the ball and then be able to slot it across to one of the midfielders coming in. And it was just like a foot in front of him and he lost it. And then Martinez just cleared it away. He just didn't look like he had it. You know, I've been concerned, you know, maybe a step slow. Maybe he's just bothered time catching up with him a little bit. The injuries, um, for me, to be honest, what I've recognized in watching these three matches is maybe we didn't give Jota enough credit for what he did by doing the little things in all different areas, but more importantly than anything, popping up and scoring a random goal in a random spot when the side needed it more than anything. Having someone that you could throw across in and would deliver on a header. Because I do think that we've diminished his goals a little bit because when I look at this side right now, I think to myself, what did it need today? It, it needed someone other than Mo that looked like they were going to score. And as great as Diaz is, he's lightning in a bottle, but I still feel like he gets into the final third. And sometimes he gets a little scattered of like, where am I going to hit this? What's next? Where am I cutting this back to? And I, I don't see that with Joda. I think Joda actually slotted in. And I think sometimes you need goals. And I think we were missing it with Nunez, obviously, today. And I think we have been missing it with Jota. And I, I, I do believe that getting him back is going to be really, really key because Klopp clearly does not feel that Carvalho is at a point yet or he'd be getting a few more minutes in these matches to make an impact than the last 10 or 12 because we've needed goals in the second half of every second half. And this guy's getting the last few minutes of every match and he shows flashes, but it's not like he's even been given enough run yet. And I mean, let's be honest today. We went into a match where we had a defensive midfielder and a 22 year old kid and a bunch of youth players and about 11 goalkeepers. Yeah. I mean, that's the looking at that lineup, that bench looked sad. So it was almost like, well, this starting 11 better work. And obviously it did not. It, so let's go back to that, by the way, the fact that we're always chasing games. I don't know what the stat became now, because I know we were talking about this two, three games ago. And since then, we've been scored on early all seven, the time. Seven consecutive Premier League matches. And it you can kind of tell in every one of those games, and I was talking about this like last week, that you know this was one of those games you're playing against a fragile United. It was important to get the first goal and not because you knew 
they were going to come out and they were going to try their thing. And, you know, I, like I say, them not playing Maguire was probably a big boost because I think it signaled change to the rest of the team that gives more energy, gets the crowd going. And once you took that crowd out, that crowd was going to turn on them instantly if we were the team to get the goal first. But it looked like we had no aggressiveness. And I think this is not the first time we've seen this in season. It was the same thing with Fulham. What do you th- what do you think that comes from? That it just feels like we start the games not even like tentative. It's almost like scared. I I, I don't know how to like word what's the perfect word for it, but just like very timid and always like a little slow, almost like we're still like kind of like waking up into the game. And you know, we play the 630 game one week, but it's just you know, it was more of the same. Today, United definitely felt like they were more up for it. And we never used to say this about this team. And I think, to me, that's the most disappointing part. And I think moving forward, that's the part that scares me the most. I, I think it's a really good point that you bring up that, you know, we use we use these different ideas as reasons to find excuses. Like, the first week it was we never play well in these lunchtime kickoffs over in England. And now it's like, well, how could they be up? I mean, we haven't had a regular weekend game yet. We just have to keep playing on these Monday afternoons. And it's like, no, we've never had a big night performance ever before as Liverpool Football Club. I'm going to say something here, and I've been known to do this, right? And maybe I just fly off the handle a little bit, or I I feel like it's not just a it's not just mental. I think there is a dip in form to the level that I think in some ways, a little bit of the shine, a little bit of the allure was knocked off these guys by losing that Champions League final in Paris. I think the way last season went, they felt like it was like a perfect storm that kept them out of winning the league against City. And they were right there playing right down to the last minute of the last match and and Villa. And you had the two trophies and we played in every match of every game. And I think losing that match to Real Madrid, it's not like they're all out of form, but I do think like something that helped that was still spurning Fabinho on to say, Hey, I can keep proving these guys wrong. I'm the best number six and no one gives me credit. They talk about all these other great defensive midfielders in the world. You know, I think there's something for, you know, Virgil's, partners always saying hey we get no credit for being the best defensive you know being a great center back you know it was all about mo and then it was about mane leaving and will firmino stay and then signing nunez i just think that that a little bit that they lost a little bit of the edge and i think they bought into that they were a better collection of their that that the pieces were better than the individual you know, and right now that's not happening. You know, I think it's knocked Henderson down a level. I really think we've seen a level below of what we've expected to come to expect from Jordan Henderson. I think the same for Bobby and I think the same for Virgil and Fabinho. And I think for four guys who play such a big role right up the middle of your pitch and one being your captain, I I just think that that's been a little too much for them to overcome along with all the injuries. And I'd, I'd ask you, who would you say is playing better than a six through three matches on the entire squad outside of Allison? 
Diaz, maybe. Maybe probably right. The only one, only one, and only it, person probably I can come up with. And couldn't we maybe be grading that a little bit on a curve, because everyone else has looked so poor. I don't know. I still give him a seven. I'm I'm generous like that. Partial credit, you know, do an extra question. Uh, but <laughs> I just and I was thinking about this the other day though when I was talking about to a buddy of mine about this. Like we, we you made a great point before. We always harp on the same people. It's Trent. But nobody goes over to the left hand side and talks about the fact that that guy's gotten subbed off in every single Premier League start. Because the manager thinks that something's happening on the left-hand side that he doesn't like late in matches. And, like, today was, like, garbage time. But, you know, against Palace, it was on the 60-minute mark he went to Simicast. You know, I think eventually when Ramsey gets fit, we're going to see Trent get a breather here and there. And sometimes it's going to be because of the way he's playing. Like, I really believe that is going to happen eventually. And I, I, you know, and I just feel like, Maybe it's the amount of game matches. Maybe it's a little bit of the bloom off the rose or mentally. They need to go out there and, you know, they need to kick a little ass. And I don't know what player does that. What guy revs them up and fires them up? Because they need somebody to grab them right now and help them along, man. Well, Milner tried today, that's for sure. He was screaming left and right. And I thought it was like a lot more than actually vocal than normally Handel would be. But honestly, like you put like four players there, right? Would you say? But I honestly, I could probably expand that to seven, eight. Because you can. Oh, I just put Robo in there. Oh, I, I, I think you're right. Yeah. You could put Robo in there. I don't think Matip played well in the first match of the year against Fulham. I really don't. So Obviously. that's why I think though it's not form. It's more like I don't know approach, uh, heads being clear. I like that's what I guess like where the confusion comes from. And you know the hope was, especially after the Fulham game, right? Uh, it was you know it was very clear that they did not match the energy level. And you're like you know what? Yeah, that was like we got a point. This was a bad start to the season, and the hope was they'll go against Palace, be home. Heck, I made the freaking optimistic freaking forecast that i never do because i really felt like that was the wake up call they needed so we go into the palace game hit the snooze button again apparently because we're not have not you know we're not waking up and then you come against this game and i know it was kind of like you know the rivalry and things like that change you know there's a lot of like other moving parts to this matchup when united play liverpool but Man, I just do not see it. And that's why I don't feel like it's more of a team issue because when you have so many people, you know, you can have one guy out of form and you can maybe replace him and give somebody else an opportunity. When it's so many people that look like out of form, it's more of a how they're playing together and a cumulative attitude thing as opposed to, man, the entire team is out of form at the same time. So you mentioned like the Champions League thing. And, you know... Could be a good point. I don't know if I agree. I mean, yeah, maybe uh, more like demoralizing because when they lost the Champions League last time and they came back like with a vengeance, the way they lost it was totally different, right? I mean, it felt unfair. Like the way we conceded with Karras, the, 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 the Mo injury and stuff like that. So that was kind of like a different ordeal. So this was a different kind of loss. Is it the loss... Or is it just like this off season being shorter for a team? 
that played all those games or are we just making more excuses for them? Well, I mean, I think they went through two enormous emotional moments as a collective group of men at the end of something that was like really, really special. So it was a special, special year for the players, for the fans, for the city, for the supporters. Right. And I think they grew to a point. They got close. And I think they started to believe that they were going to win all four. I genuinely believe deep down inside, they believed going in that last day that somehow they were going to win the league. And even after losing the league, and knowing Villa was up 2-0 and they were that close. I think they never in a million years thought they were going to lose that Champions League final. I really should have won. I mean, they played we, well yes. enough to win it. Oh, and 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 that is another thing. Sometimes the letdown that happens isn't because you didn't play well or you didn't put your best foot forward or give every opportunity. On any other day, Thibaut Courtois could have gave up three maybe four in that match. Yep. Um, Mo could have scored two. Mane could have buried the brace. Like, they had so many opportunities. Um, the match could have went so many different ways. It could have went nil-nil to extra time. We could have won on penalties again. Who the heck knows? But I think to lose two big-time finals or big cups, big opportunities to win silverware, then deal with all the emotion that came with Sadio leaving. Then have the parade, even after the letdown. Then have the whole summer in saga of Mo. Will he stay? Will he go? Will they sign these players? You big in the big Nunez signing. I just think it was an awful lot. And then you couple all that with short offseason. And honestly, the pieces you bought, I think were smart purchases. I think they needed one or two more pieces, and I've been saying that all summer long, so I don't need to beat a dead horse and go back into who I wanted them to buy or when. But I think when you then have the injuries and a slow start, the doubts of what happened at the end of last season, I think, start to creep in. And I think what happens naturally for me is, is everyone's a year older, and I just wonder if some guys start thinking to themselves, that they they're they're actually like it is kind of lingering there that they lost this great opportunity because they may not we don't know they may not be back to another Champions League final for another five or ten years they may never be that close to the Premier League title ever again it took us twenty something years to get that close like I don't think you can take it for granted and I don't think these players take these things for granted either and just like when you win five in a row you think you're never going to lose again. You got to realize these guys haven't played well since last March. Really, really played well for a yeah. long running period of time. So I, I I think there's a mentality now that they have to figure out how to get back on that horse and, and be world beaters again and puff out their chests. And somehow they figured out a way to let United feel that way today. 
And that's yeah, scary. That's, that's probably the worst part of it, actually. Uh, Metolik says, bulk of that squad is getting very complacent. They think all they have to do is walk on the pitch to win. But Nike and Trent almost look bothered when they have to make a sprint. And honestly, I think I agree with part of that in terms of perhaps, kind of like what you're saying, when you're used to winning, you almost feel like, and that's the confidence, but sometimes, I mean, that's what the confidence brings you in some ways more wins right like you're saying it's kind of like a contagious thing you go out there saying we're gonna win this so even if you're in a losing position you come back and you win and that you know we say oh mentality monsters but at the same time if you do not then you look complacent and i know like i've harped a lot on van dyke and obviously everybody harps a lot on trends uh, and you know with van dyke part of it is because when he does well we say he makes it look easy right he just kind of like you know he doesn't even sweat. You know, we always talk about that. So obviously when he can't make it happen or he's not his usual self, it looks even over complacent compared to another player not acting like they care a lot. It's just, like I say, I worry about, you know, what the next step is because the wake up I was expecting at the Palace game didn't happen. And I was expecting a reaction today, and it didn't happen. I mean, we don't like it's not like these injuries are suddenly going to, and I don't even think that is the problem. And I, I think that's what upsets me the most when people kind of like see this result throughout the game, just harp on the you know, FSG midfielder, we should have signed four players, six players, whatever. Doesn't matter who you sign. If Van Dijk is going to play, we're not going to sign a freaking center back. Nobody wanted the center back, right? So, I mean, I'm not missing anything. Nobody freaking wanted a center back. We are probably the best four center backs, if you look across the league, at one roster could have. But doesn't matter how many more midfielders we sign. If Van Dijk is going to play like this in the back, we're going to have holes all over the place, and we're going to concede goals. So I think I worry more about like the overall approach that the team has and the ambition, the attitude they show, and not waking up. And I'm not really liking as much from what I hear from Klopp. I know he's going to back his guys, and I want him to back his guys. But it's almost like he – I'm sure he sees it as well. I mean, it's kind of – you know, if he can see it, I'm sure freaking Klopp is seeing it, that, you know, everybody's a second slow. So where do we go from here? What do you expect to see? I mean, the fixture couldn't be kinder probably having Bournemouth at home. But you have to bear in mind, Bournemouth is probably looking at this and saying, hey, if we're ever going to get out of Anfield with something, now is the time. Yeah, so I, I'm going to, I mean, what are we banking on here? Are we banking on that Nabi Keita is selectable? Do we think, like, he's out of favor? Like, um, you know, for me, Keita, if Keita can play next week against Bournemouth, he has to play because I just feel like you have to inject something new. If if James Milner gets a third consecutive start, rip the goddamn thing up, like chalk it up. Because you, you, you start your starts. I, 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 he he brings him in to basically play as an attacking player when he brings him in. Yeah, he hasn't even been bringing him in in his midfield, showing that he has any faith in him. So for me, I I just don't see him starting Carvalho. Um, you know, Nunez still not available, so probably going to get Bobby. Um, maybe if you're going to give Carvalho a start, you'd start Mo through the middle and and you play Carvalho out on the right. Maybe, maybe that's an option. If or even start Carvalho through the middle if you think he'd be ready to try. 
and go for that. And it's a Bournemouth type of team, probably a side he's very familiar with from playing against him in the championship the last last season. I I think if Kate is fit, he's got to play. I th- I just you can't. I don't think you can go out there and start Henderson and Milner again in the same midfield. I just really don't. I mean, I would think and Fab it, would be back. So you're automatically probably looking at Fab Hando and maybe Fab Hando Elliott's Fab Hando Keita. Yeah. I hate to I, throw out conspiracy theories and get all paranoid, but it stinks. Like this whole suddenly, like the whole Keita rumors about being unhappy. You know, is he going to go? Is he going to be sold? You know, the contract extension. And then this is his game. And suddenly he's out. It's just like kind of like irks me. I would not be surprised to hear something tomorrow where, hey, maybe he'll be in a deal to get Bellingham that we were like freaking like. Well, and that'll be great. If 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 I knew, if Henderson didn't play, didn't start the match against Palace because he wasn't fit, right? And they were afraid he couldn't go 90. So he was on the bench. And then he starts today over Fab because of form. I'd have to question that it isn't Henderson's turn to take a seat next week over form. Because if I were rating players today, he would have been the lowest on the pitch, and that includes Van Dyke. But I would have him. I no, I would start Fabinho. I would start Fabinho, Keita, Elliott, if, oh, okay. if I had to, and I would, and and I'd be afraid of that center. I'd be afraid of that midfield. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but, but I I I have to at some point like rotate these guys and figure it out. But Henderson has had, in my opinion, three below par performances rating Fulham crystal palace, his time on the pitch. And then today, and I thought today was the worst of all three. You know, he, he wasn't great in the first goal though. It wasn't all his fault. He turns the ball over unexcusably and then doesn't track back on the second goal. I can almost put the Rashford goal on Henderson. And you don't normally see him make mistakes like that. And he just looks a step off. You say it all the time. These players look a step off. And I think when you are already a 33, 34-year-old player that is aging and a step behind the other players, and you make up for it with your mental and your work rate and your engine, I don't think you can be a step behind mentally. And right now, Henderson looks like he's thinking about it a lot. And as much as we need the leader on the pitch, I, I won't be surprised if Henderson's not playing next week, if, if Nabby can go. Now, this is all contingent. I mean, when is Jones back? What Like, we, we need, hoping some of these players start to come back, but this is the problem. Even when the players come back, all we really have coming back is Tiago that we can rely on. Yeah. And even that's only until we can't rely on him again because he gets hurt. How about Ox? Oh, yeah. Well, this this is ultimately, though, Timuchin, you know, we talk about, like, why we blame FSG and why I get on Klopp. Like, Ox should have been told a minute after last season, if you want to collect 180 grand a week packet next year, go ahead, but you're practicing with Jay Spearing in the under-23s. Every day, all day, you're not part of our setup. You can collect your money. And that's what other clubs do. They tell players that aren't part of it. Like, you know, I, I made the comment about Conte leaving like $120 million worth of Spurs buys behind as they went away on a, on a foreign tour. Cause he was like, I don't have time for people in training that aren't part of the plan. 
And at some points, those players then move on. And it's to Klopp's credit as a man manager, he has never done that in any of his stops anywhere. And I have to give him credit. But it's why all these players felt it was okay to run down their contracts at Liverpool. Because they're not forced to feel uncomfortable when they get into the last year of their contracts. And they're still given multiple starts and big matches. I mean, Emre Jean was playing must-win matches right up till the day he walked out and said we weren't good enough because he needed to go win trophies. And, you know, and I, I, I just think that we saw an awful lot of players leave that could have recouped funds. And then we do hear about, you know, if the manager's going to throw out barbs about I don't get to decide where we spend the money, well, you have something to do with whether or not we recoup asset if we recoup funds for the assets we have and, and some of that, that is personality style yeah it's got like the personality I, the style because that's what he builds on and you got to figure okay so you see the success that's you know that setup and mentality brings and it's kind of hard to argue with that so that's fine but then you got to make adjustments and not say what you're saying in return i guess is where i'm kind of like frustrated with how he's approaching it. This whole Keita thing, like I say, is just weird. I almost would be more relieved to find out like he pulled something tomorrow as opposed to, you know, I think not knowing we're going this to. mystery injury. I think we're going to hear that he got a knock or there was, you know, he woke up with a stiff neck, literally, like, or, you know, he took ill shortly before the match like what do we, what is that he got diarrhea <laughs> he like, had the shit like <laughs> like i mean but i mean really like this is a guy that we know is made of glass so far in his career here it's been nothing but injuries and time on the physio table so if that's the case it's fine but even if it's not the case to mutin let's say he's leaving where does that leave us because Today we played a must win. And that's what today was, whether people like it or not. That was a must win today. You need it to get off and get going. We had a must win match against a wounded animal. And we started a 20-something-year-old kid in the center of midfield at Old Trafford. And to me, it looked like it. For as bad as Van Dyke was, and I thought, you know, Bobby was at times, and even Hendo was, Elliot was was every bit as invisible as Mo. They went periods of the match. You didn't even know they were there. I think it was with Elliot. I think his over trying sometimes kind of takes him like when he asserts, I mean, he's a young kid, so it's kind of natural. But when he is pushing himself physically to do more, to press more, to run more, sometimes that takes him out of mentally. It felt like they were on top of each other with Mo way too many times or yep. like you're saying some of those runs to be made behind bobby when he was kind of coming out he could have capitalized on that and he did not so but that's kind of like a growth of a player and i think like you say it's just hard to that's probably like the most frustrating thing i think you watch the like the last couple of games and it's hard to pick one or two people and say ah oh, man if they were on their day it just feels like it's across the board I mean, going back to the lineup, I think the only reason I don't have faith in Keita, I had it all freaking week this week, and look how that turned out. Uh, the only reason I think I start Hando at home next to Fab is, first of all, he's not going to be in that defensive midfielder role. 
And second of all, I think we're going to play against the low block when you play Bournemouth. And he is one of the few people who's going to move the ball Make a lot the ball fast. Move fast. Yep. Uh, so I think his he's valuable there in terms of thinking ahead, like one step ahead and like switching wings and stuff like that. Because aside from, uh, you know, like Trent to Robo and like Robo to Trent, he's really the only player that I know, you know, switches fields. Obviously, you know, Van Dyke plays those long diagonals and stuff. But in terms of like switching fields and playing, making sure the ball is moving with pace. I think that's where Hendo comes in. So I probably put him there. And I don't know, you probably could give Elliot another start, or maybe you do if you do once. I think I agree because maybe something new is what we need. But knowing Klopp, it could be one of those where he doesn't want to abandon what he's writing and feels like, you know, they're only one game away from kind of like finding themselves. And throughout the game, I kind of waited for that. There was like a five-minute period between like the 25th or 30th or 30th or 35th where I was like, okay, we're growing back into the game. We're playing like ourselves again, a bit more possession. It's only a matter of time against that United team. And we just fell off again. It's just felt like, you know, all week, you know, we're talking about how fragile you know, United is right now. And really, we looked more fragile that one, you know, we kind of got rattled with their aggressiveness. But the same thing can happen in Fulham. The same thing happened against them Palace. That's probably the most frustrating parts. And that's part of the therapy. Well, there's BJ says one positive. We're still ahead of everything in the table. I mean, I think that's, yeah. I mean, I guess, but I, yeah, I can't, I can't. Find any, I mean, the team we've mocked for, relentlessly over the last two weeks, three weeks, we're behind them in the standings and not that they're very high, but you know, you look at the standings and two points out of nine is not a good comeback tour as Bickler would call it. It's not a great way to start the season. And you know, you can be unlucky and you can give up points. You can get poor results. I can live with that. I'm not one of these guys that fires everybody. The more, you know, the moments like things go down south and start cussing everybody out that they were cheering for. Like that's what really gets to me with some fans, but I get disappointed by just seeing kind of like the overall approach and attitude. So having said that, throw out, if you dare a prediction for next Saturday or uh, thank God, let's hope it's not Monday because that'll be my excuse. Monday games. Uh, it's a Saturday yeah. game, right? Um, so I'm going to say, you know, we get the clean sheet. We will score first, most importantly. Um, and I'll say three nothing good guys. And I think that, uh, I think Simicast starts at left back. And I think that it's not to put any blame on Rabo. I just think that. There has to be some change right now. And fitness may say the only change you can make at the back right now is Rabo. And I think, like you said, I yeah. think we need some changes. And there's a spot where you can make a change. Um, and I think everything else except for Bobby up top probably picks itself. And I think Bobby, and it's not just because I think he's been critic. I've been critical that he's been playing poorly. And I do believe he has. I think it also is, is that, if you're going to show up with nobody on your bench, you might need a veteran player who can come in and actually create a difference or a change. And tactically, I don't think that 
Carvalho gives you enough to be your only attacking option off your bench when you're allowed to have like 150 bench players. And at some point too, if Klopp's going to put all these kids on the bench, he's going to have to bring one or two of them into a match and see if they can make a change in it. Because I just having them there for nothing. I mean, try the batch to kid, try, try something. I don't know. Like, I, I just feel like we're just banging our head against the wall. What if asses weeks, on the get, seats? You know? Yeah, asses in seats. Expensive seats, let me tell you. They're comfortable. I, You know, that's the irony, you know? Like, before we were talking about, in the preseason podcast, we were talking about, like, the five subs. Will Club take advantage of it? How many subs will he make? And then you look at that bench and... Yeah, it's kind of like tough times. And we don't know, like you say, we don't know what's going to happen throughout the week, who's going to start coming back, who's going to start practicing, uh, just finding out this uh, Keita ordeal by itself. Uh, Matt says 2-1. I can definitely use uh, better performance. Let's hope it's not that kind of a game. I I don't know. I, like I say, I was optimistic for the, before the Palace game, thinking that would be the game that we would be like, you know what? Fuck this, we're coming back and kicking some ass like we are. But ah, uh, see, why would you even say that? Matt says big Dom Solanke will score. So uh, yeah, I hope he's not. been out. He's, he's been, been out, out for the he last back two weeks. I don't know yeah. if he'll be back by next week. You know, the real question to me is is will Matip be back? Um, you know, I I just think that there's a there there's a there's a shout out there that we really need Kanate to get back and Gomez to keep staying up to form and you know, at, at some point, there's going to be a shout to, like, give the big guy a rest for a match or two and, like, let him get his yeah. head right and let some other people play. And, you know, I, I, I kind of got killed in our Discord channel for saying one day, like, if you're going to give Gomez the contract and you really believe he can get back to that top, top level form, then what we should all be really rooting for is Gomez gets to his top form. Kanate kicks on to that next level we all think he has in his game. And, and the two the of them, and the two of them push Van Dyke to say, You gotta fight to get into this. We're the future. If you want to still be part, you gotta push one of us to the bench. And you know, and I think that's what I talk about when I'm saying, like, I want this club to be a little bit more ruthless with its own players and its own rank. I want them to buy players and push players on. Like, I want to see a player like you know, Jones say, I got to go because it's too competitive here for me. And they got two more guys behind me. I'm going to go play somewhere else. If if I were a city supporter, I'd be happy that Sterling was like, I don't want to be here anymore. They got 55 million for him. And then they went and bought a kid who's dynamite from Argentina to be the next round of it. And they replace him with Foden and they bring in Mares and they have Grealish. And like, I just believe that there has to be a turnover of your talent sometimes. And I think that our club has to start looking at some of these clubs that sell players on. I mean, Tottenham got 30 million for Bergvine. And we let Mane get to the last year of his deal instead of selling him two or three years earlier when we could have got 70, 80 million and maybe reinvested it. We either have to see them spend and buy and keep filling the team of top level players, or we're going to have to wait for these young players to grow into that. And it's going to be a while before Harvey Elliott or Curtis Jones become the level of player that we're out being linked to in the market or that we feel this club needs to improve it. And I just think that banking on these kids is a, it's a, it's a, there's a, there is a business model here that I don't know works 
for as long as we've been trying to keep the success going. And that's my fear. There's a window and it might be closing. I understand that. And this is something like, you know, we like discuss all the time because I think, you know, one can argue it has worked and, you know, but can it keep working? That really depends on you got to get every move you make dead on. And that's, and that's that's not very likely. So you can't afford to have a Keita, you know, the situation we're in like that or anything like that. When you do get it, it has to be the Diaz, the Van Dyke, the Fabinho and stuff like that. And you got to nail it right on the head every single time. And I understand, okay, that's why they're waiting for the player. It has to be the right player, as Klopp says. And this is his method. That is That part is not going to change. Uh, they've done that buy and sell in a very low scale with people like you know taki and ben davies that's the mystery player and stuff like that but i understand what you're saying in terms of doing it in the bigger scale i understand the money thing to be honest because i feel like that team was at the peak and you don't mess with that as they were going for all the trophies because you don't have the backing that city has if it because here's the thing with city like you're saying okay they sell him for 55 they get alvarez but here's the thing with City. If Alvarez doesn't work out, City goes out and gets another guy for 40. That guy doesn't work out. I mean, look at how much money they spent on fullbacks till they got the guy. Oh, I know. Or the center. They, you still... know I mean? so they can afford to do that because the guy they get in replacement, if it doesn't pan out, they can go dip in again and get oh, another, there's no question. another guy. Get another guy. But they also sell. They buy guys like Farron Torres, and then they sell them a year and a half later for a profit. They buy a guy like Sané, and everyone's like, why would they ever sell this guy? And then they go ahead and they sell them and they buy new players that and, and they don't miss them and they keep winning without them. And I, the only thing I would challenge is, is, and I agree with you, it is working and it's a success. If we don't win the two cups last year and we walk out of last year with nothing, say we go out in the quarterfinals of the League Cup and that semifinals, the FA Cup. And all of this right now was one Premier League title and one. Uh, Champions League. Would you say that this has been this huge ringing success? I would say your run is. I don't think that's fair to do that no. to this team. I know what no, you I, mean in terms of when I'm, you count trophies. Does it really look like a successful time if you look, you know, four decades from now or something? I know what you're saying, but I it's that's like the unfortunate part of being at the same time as City because if a team like City is not as... I mean, you're always going to have another good team, right? It's never going to be like you're going to just freaking run with it. But as good as they have been, I mean, we've done ridiculous points where it would have won the league. Oh, I know. Freaking and I'm not. So, but I know what you mean, though, like in I, terms of, you know, what is broad success-wise that you can count on. But still, I mean, you're talking historic runs and that you got to kind of like recognize the historic run as a success too, even though it doesn't and, come into fruition with all the trophies. And I, and I wasn't even just, I was asking it more from the standpoint of the conversation of the buying, right? We did go into, we've dipped into the market at times when we've needed to add to the talent levels of the squad. And I do feel like for the last three years, this team has needed to add and the pandemic changed everything. We talked about it. We thought there was money there that didn't end up there. You know, Nunez was a great buy. Diaz was a smart buy. Kanate, smart buy. Jota looks like it was a very smart buy. 
And some of those players may be the type of players that they sell on at some point for profits and not let to run down their contracts. Like I've been complaining about all summer. So there could be a shift in this already, but this summer wasn't a summer for arguably a top end striker and a couple fillers. And that's ultimately what they bought. I love, I think Carvalho is one for the future and a huge talent. Yeah. And Ramsey could be as well. But this was a summer to refill the holes of the squad, in my opinion. And at this point, it looks like they're going to fail at that challenge. Whether that's not getting the guys you want, having no plan B, who knows what the real reason is, not having money. And my fear is, is a year or two from now, that we've allowed Tottenham and Chelsea and Arsenal and United to bridge a gap to us while City has separated the gap. Because I feel City is exponentially better than the side that they put out to start last season. And I don't know that we are. I don't know. We've talked about that before. I don't know if I agree to that. I mean, you look at their... If they they have the same injuries that they have right, we have right now, their bench just does not look any better than ours. No, but they 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 improved a side that won. But here's the thing: I was right there. Maybe we are being like, if Klopp could join us right now, maybe he's saying, "Hey, look at all the freaking people that are out, like Konate, Matip, Jota." I mean, Nunez but is to your one, point. I guess, but like Tiago and stuff like that. So these people are out, and some of them, like Tiago and Ox and stuff, yeah, you can expect them to be out. That's not shocking news for them to be out. But maybe Jota not being out there, uh, maybe like I don't know if they had like bigger plans for Jones this year. I'm not sure, but you know, Konate not being out there and stuff like that are not things that you would expect. And it would change everything. I know it's like, oh, we don't have a problem as a center back. Yeah, well, I mean, it would change the entire game. Having that's why when you said Matzip earlier for the Bournemouth game, I would hope that he's there because he's a golden guy. When they're saying they're saying he's, today's today's report was two to four more weeks, more weeks. Well, that's not good news. This therapy no, has not worked at all. <laughs> I guess where where I was going with that though, I guess my thought process around it is is I'm with you. I just don't know that if Kanate was healthy right now, that would change Virgil not looking like himself. And I think Mike, that's what I mean. Like, you know, and and when I, when I, when I watch city play, I'm watching city play right now. That's a better city side than last year's city team. And that, and that, that starts with Holland in the center. That starts with a better core at the back. It, and it is. No, I, mean, I agree to those, but I'm saying if I give them the same number of injuries, they don't have as much depth as people think. You look at that bench, like against Newcastle this week, and they lost. I know how long Ake has gone now, mind you, but you know if they had the same injuries, if you take you know I don't know like Holland the suspension, if you take this guy out, they don't have the same depth either. I think we are in kind of a perfect storm. I mean, I guess the good news is. We will know for sure in nine days what the heck we're going to add and whatnot. I'm almost going to be, I'm always glad when a freaking transfer section ends so we can just focus on what's on the field and know what we got. I'm sure Klopp is the same way. Let's see if they add anything. Uh, let us know what you think. I don't know how much of a therapy this worked, uh, but hey, we go again, as they say, and at least 
at least it's a Saturday game. So that's something to look forward to. Thanks a lot, everybody. We'll be back next Monday, same time, hopefully with much better news. Have a good week, everybody. Bye, everybody.